bem-vindo, Mulheres e Homens, para Comedy Film Nerds Podcast, número 337. Wow, right out of the gate. Yeah, I did yeah. German last week. Today yeah. I was going to try to do my fumbly Portuguese. Yeah, oh, oh, I thought it was Filipino. That was... <laughs> <laughs> No, Chris. No, nice job. Thanks, buddy. Um, so we're, we got a lot to talk about today. We have a very special guest, return guest. We've had a lot of first-time guests, yeah. not this week. No. Return. We found this one running around, and we yes. captured him to get him back in here. He was outside the door. He was. He <laughs> camped out. Yeah. He was sleeping under your uh, trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about Sully, For the Love of Spock, Skip Trace, Star Trek Two. Um, and the new Godzilla trailer, and uh, some interesting things coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. But let's, uh, a couple of announcements real quick. Boom! Um, LA Podfest is next week, September 23rd through the 25th. Pretty exciting. Vinci Tres para Vinci Cinco. <laughs> Sovatel Hotel. <laughs> Mi amigos. The best ad read ever. Best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sovatel, you guys, um, the Saturday day passes might already be sold out. Um... So uh, still weekend passes available though. Yeah, I announced yes, I haven't checked, but yeah, the weekend passes are still available. We've been tracking it. We've done better ticket sales this year from this time last year right. and the years prior. So last year by like Friday or Saturday of the festival, it had already sold out. Right. So and a lot of you guys are buying the live stream early, which we appreciate the pay-per-view mm -hmm. and uh, also um, there's a couple of shows like Welcome to Night Vale and Criminal. They will not be releasing podcasts. The only way to see their shows from LA Podfest is with the uh, pay-per-view. Yeah, or stream. come to it live. Or come to it live, yes. Um, there's that. You know, we got some cool stuff like uh, you know, TJ Miller. But if you're in Brazil... Ah, uh, you know why no para <laughs> Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> now Danero para, para, para vai for an aeroplane. Um, so... Um, You're going to need to get the paper. Yes. Mm -hmm. Live a stream, mi amigo. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and there's cool stuff happening too. If you, why you should, if you're in LA, why you should buy a ticket. Like TJ Miller, they're, we, you know, they're doing cashing in with TJ mm -hmm. uh, Miller uh, on the Saturday, but he's also one of the guests, one of the comics performing at the stand-up show, which is not live-streamed. Right. You can only see that, and it's like live. Karen Kilgariff's on the show, mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Sickler, and TJ Miller is now performing. Uh, so it's in a couple other comics. It's a it's a it's an amazing show. So come see it live. It'll be uh, it'll be and really a party fun. on the pool deck, opening night nice. party, moving to the pool deck. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping uh, you know someone gets pushed into the pool like the you know is going to happen in a rom com. You mean a, a meet cute? A meet cute, <laughs> a meet, a meet cute <laughs> at the poolside pod yeah. fest. Yeah, <laughs> poolside so. pod fest meet cute. Then next year we they get married. Yeah, mm -hmm. it'll be great. I hope <laughs> someone gets married at the pod fest. <laughs> Uh, or gets an annulment. I don't yeah. care. I just want a big life event. <laughs> yeah. to happen. Something um, that gives yeah, birth. Yeah, so la, la And of course, guys, we say this every year, uh, spend $20 with us um, once a year and that will support us. So this year, uh, buy the live stream if you can't come to LA and use coupon code CFN. It's what you're doing. You're supporting this show uh, and you're supporting the festival. You're supporting podcasting. You're mm -hmm. supporting a bunch of jobs, a bunch of people who are working for the festival. The festival has a fairly sizable budget. Um, I know everyone thinks we're all just like flying around in our Podfest private jets, and uh, no, we're just not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, so it's it's really it's more like we're grumbling. This is too much work. I don't want to do it again next. Yeah, year. for the money, no, it's not worth <laughs> it. Um, so. Buy the live stream, and you're, you're you're supporting all those things, 
and um, you know, use coupon code CFN. It's it's, and you're also getting 30 days of content, so you can yes. watch shows live, and then anything you haven't seen, like if there's some. Let's say there's a podcast in the festival. You're like, ah, I don't know what this is about. Doesn't really appeal to me. Watch it, yeah, in the archive for the 30 days after. And you really, got nothing to lose. Really see what it's all about. And you know, you get the panels too, so you can see some really uh, great panels with uh, the uh, podcasters from Welcome to Night Vale and Criminal and the Dollop. Actually, there's a, a great one on um, the evolving content of podcasts, mm-hmm. and it's going to have Dave Anthony, um, one of the um, Hosts from Criminal and also from Welcome to Nightville. It's going to be an amazing panel about yeah. how content is changing. We want to talk about the three shows that are completely different than your kind of standard podcast. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, a very, it's a very cool thing. So LAPodfest.com, coupon code CFN. All right, let's get into um, introducing our guests. Now, longtime friend. We've known this uh, gentleman for many, many years from film festivals, filmmaking, from his online magazine film thread. And also, the thing about Chris is, uh, before I introduce him, he's one of those guys that every time you see him, he's passionate about film, no matter what it is, no matter how tired he is, no matter how exhausted and how frustrated. He comes in here, just light on his feet, ready to talk about Star Trek. With the Batman coffee, travel (laughs) coffee cup. (laughs) He's ready to go. He's ready ready to to go. go. Mm -hmm. Um, Ladies and gentlemen... Chris Gore. Chris Gore. Ah, thank you guys. It's great. I mean, this is, I think, my third or fourth time being yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's awesome. Love it. Love it. When I, I whenever I get on comedy film nerds, I always feel, hear compliments from people because you. Oh, good. You, I mean, you, you guys are like we're like nerds, but also like like I think all all three of us sitting here have very diversified careers. Right. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Filmmaker, festival organizer, podcaster, comedians. Yes. Like mm-hmm. like there's like it's all over the map. I feel like that's the only way really like in entertainment to to make any kind of headway is you have to have a diversified career portfolio. It's yes. like right. <laughs> It's like, seriously, it's true, yeah. well, it's like when I talk to people that live in resort areas. Yeah, like, you you have to be uh, comedy and entertainment mutual funds. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> but also also have something of a business mind, and that's why you know I've always admired. And we we always, I mean, before the show even started, we spent about twenty minutes just going over like sort of like uh, business stuff that's maybe a little too inside baseball for for this Twitter show. Twitter algorithms, Twitter algorithms, and well, stuff, and like how and, stuff works, like like we, how to reach audiences. We talked about, and we probably might do this at some point we can't say we don't know when yet but maybe we'll have a talking about the business of sort of kickstarter and promoting and do a separate comedy film nerds like just themed up about that cfn insider (laughs) i like that we love branding things as though we're this multimedia (laughs) multinational conglomerate we need a a new logo (laughs) yeah (laughs) for this show cfn insider boom boom Yeah, yeah, some graphics, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some reality TV sting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is, it is, it is, it is true. It's like when I like talk to people. I did this podcast in Hawaii, or like doing Howie Naves podcast in Lake Tahoe. Those are resort towns, and anyone that lives in a resort town has to have like five jobs. Like right. they got to like, well, I do tour guides and I'm a masseuse and I'm a at-home chef. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a uh, boat captain. And a boat yeah. captain. <laughs> but all that works seasonal, right? Like, yeah. like so, yes. so it does kind of go, yeah. 
And so what we're doing is just constantly doing whatever we got to do to keep the lights on. Right. It's yeah. not. I, oh, I hear you. I yeah. hear yes. you. So, now, <laughs> and speaking of keeping the lights on, you've got a new Kickstarter coming. We're going to be talking about that a little later, but uh, we have a new sponsor. Oh. We just wanted to say this show today is uh, brought to you by Warby Parker. Warbyparker.com slash comedy film nerds. You want to get yourself some uh, new eyewear. Custom sunglasses, Custom sunglasses and prescription glasses. Yeah. And they do prescription sunglasses. Yes. And uh, what I like about this company is that you it's kind of like, you know, what some of our other advertisers like Casper. It's like, well, you wouldn't want, how are you going to do eyeglasses at home? That's Through the crazy. mail? No, 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 no. But they send you like five so you can pick and you could wear them and see what your friends think of them. And then you can actually um, keep the one you like and send the others back. And the great thing is, is um, so you've got glasses that start at ninety five dollars, mm-hmm. um, and so you can get all different cool kinds of frames. Um, and it's you know, it's 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 a a cool. I know I'm fumbling over this, but it's like because it's such a new thing. Like, right, why would right. you? It's like it's. I know because you got to try them on. Well, you got to create new words for stuff like this. You, like this is called like your free home try on. Yeah, <laughs> this is it's the free home try on, and you go to warbyparker.com slash comedy film nerds, and you can order it. So you can choose five frames you'd like to try on, uh, mail the frames back, and choose your favorite pairs, and then you can add your prescription to them. Yeah, and the thing is, um, so so, so that <laughs> and in a hundred days they'll take the mattress back. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and this was um, inspired by Jack Kerouac. So two of his earliest characters um, were <laughs> bore the names Zag Parker and Warby Pepper. So they decided to combine that so and these, make it a glasses company. Yeah. So these are hipster. These are yes, these glasses. Are. The beat generation yes. of uh, home glasses delivery. Yeah. Um, buy for and managed by hipster Kerouac generation. Yeah. <laughs> Because the thing, it's like, honestly, like glasses shouldn't cost what an iPhone costs. No, it's, it's, it's they're too expensive. It's, it's crazy. And the, the sunglasses start at $95 and you can get a, a prescription sunglasses for $175. Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got polarized lenses, which I like. I spend a lot of time uh, at the beach and you get the glare off the ocean. Right. So if you're now- You have to get that. You got to get the, you got to get the polarized. So do your free home try on warbyparker.com slash comedy film nerds. Now they also make it easy for your prescription. So you could send them your prescription. You could take a picture of it. You could have them contact your doctor for you. There's mm-hmm. all different ways to get the prescription into their system. So don't be afraid. It's uh, you can you can try it out for home risk free um, and do it today. Try it. You, I know a lot of you need glasses. Yeah. I need glasses. I just I have been very busy to try to get new ones. So it's a lot of work getting new glasses. I always need new sunglasses. Yes. Uh, Warbypparker.com slash comedy film nerds. Do it. Boom. All right. So, I you know, I really want to hear about this first film, Sully, okay. because I was uh, uh, I was interested in seeing it, but I thought the trailer was overly dramatic. Mm-hmm. So I want to see how the movie came out. Um, so, so you guys saw it. I saw it. I, I, um, I saw that. Oh, I you saw it. it. You I, saw saw it. I saw it. I saw it. This is going to be good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I saw it. Um, full disclosure, saw it at a food movie. Oh, okay. So, so easier what's review. A, a food movie. Those um, reclining seats. Oh, like like an iPad? Oh, nice. Full menu. It's like Alamo Drafthouse does a great job, but these right. have Lazy Boys in them, so they're Whoa. just fantastic. So this is the this is the eye pick, or do you not want no, to say with the chain? No, it is. It's a is it's it one a of those? Cin- it's a Cinemark. Oh, oh, nice. It's great. So AMC uh. has dine in theaters, and now Cinemark is trying to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Um, AMC 
they jack their prices up, so I stopped going there. I'm curious. So how do you think that impacts on the experience? Is it better? Is it distracting oh, if you're into the movie? Like, No, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So you're eating your chicken wings and you're yeah. sitting there with <laughs> Almost every movie gets a better grade when it really? goes to oh, that wow. okay. yeah, We even had a fan email and say, at the end of the year, we should start an awards thing and we should say the best food movie, which yeah. is a mediocre movie that I loved because yeah. I was comfortably sat and eating <laughs> a fucking black I feel that way about burger. the drive-in. I, I still go oh, to the, the drive-in. Dri- I haven't been to a drive-in in years and I gotta go to one because oh. I miss that experience so much. There's two in the LA area that are amazing. The Pacific Violent, Pacific Violent, which is in City of Industry and the mm-hmm. Mission Tiki, which is uh, further east. I've gone to the City but of it, Industry one. That one's a good one. It's, it's always a double great. feature too. Always it's double great. feature and I saw one of the Fast and the Furious movies in my car in the driver's seat, which was an odd, with a beer in my hand. So it was awesome. I always, I always, it's like I, I, I look on like going to the drive-in is like tailgating with movies. Right. Mm-hmm. So, because the iPick, I love the iPick, but it can be a little pricey. I mean, you're looking at like it's, it's dinner and a movie. It's like yeah. it's hundred dollars in the same it's, place. It's a yeah. sixty seventy dollar night out for two right. people yes. on the cheap. Yeah, on yeah. that's cheap. not cocktails or right. like I don't drink, so I, I there's not if I like bring the kids and it needs to be a special event. Right, because yeah, it yes. gets really expensive. Someone's <laughs> getting yeah. a, having a bar mitzvah. But the drive-ins <laughs> cheap, and I'll see movies I don't care about, like all of the Purge movies, and I'll see them at a drive-in, and they're better. They're better. They're because like, you know the Purge could kind of break out at the drive-in. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's yeah. exactly. It's like yeah. yes. Are those people in costume, or are they really ready to get started? Oh, yeah, no kidding. But yeah. no, but like yeah, the drive-in is like that's sort of my version of that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Now this is uh, Clint Eastwood's thirty-fifth feature film, and I love this piece of trivia here. In real life, Clint Eastwood served survived a water landing in the army, swam three miles to shore with the pilot, and both were exempt from the Korean War as a result. Wow. I mean, it's... Uh, the trailer is like, oh, God, did did Sully screw up? Mm-hmm. Um, and Clint Eastwood, you know, he's a great filmmaker. I mean, his movies are really interesting. His politics are that of an old wingbird, but uh, right. I, I, I don't care. His movies are fantastic and this is perfect tom hanks fodder because the the issue you know we've talked about this before so when you have a name a guy as big as tom hanks it's hard for him to play the regular joe because you go there's tom hanks trying to be a regular joe sully has become a larger than life person he's become a real life hero so tom hanks because he looks like an everyman does a great job of here's a guy who's a pilot who all of a sudden you know, like this woman at a hotel just hugs and kisses him. And he's like, what the hell is that? She's like, you saved all those people, you know? And he's like, yeah, we got to be on the Letterman show tomorrow. What? Like, what are you talking about? So as a movie, I liked it um, because it's it's a challenge in the sense that we know what happened. Everybody lives. Spoiler alert, you know? (laughs) And Sully has become a hero. Mm -hmm. But we don't know those first five days or a week or whatever, because whenever there's a plane crash, there's an investigation. That's standard procedure. The National Transportation Safety Board has a whole thing. Now, did Clint Eastwood turn it into a, you know, like that one, the final scene is like in this big courthouse. And is, is that how it really goes down? Is it this big sort of like- uh, I'm not out of order. You're out yeah, of order. Yeah, is it some big tribunal, <laughs> you know, like uh, Captain Kirk? Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> so- that's probably some filmmaking. Right. But the thing that I did like about it, so they go through the accident like three different times and there's all of this, like the data says one engine was functional. The flight simulators, and this is in the, this, this, the trailer, so I'm not spoiling this. The, tra- you know, the flight simulator 
guy got back to the Newark airport, no problem. Got back to LaGuardia, no problem, or whatever. It was, it was LaGuardia and, um, and the one in Jersey, whatever, another one, Teterboro. <laughs> and so it's like, so it's, it does a lot of flashbacks. So Sully's like kind of him and the co-pilot, Aaron Eckhart, who I think do a great job. They're sequestered in this hotel in between all of the investigation and the trial. And, and so he's calling home and then he's flashing back. He's flashing back to the actual event. He's questioning himself. Did I fuck up? Could I have just landed as, you know, like, fuck, you know, and as is said in the trailer, he's like, I've, you know, I've delivered over a million people in my 40 year career as a pilot and I'm going to be judged on these 209 seconds. And so it's really, you know, we all just know the Sully that was on Letterman and was interviewed by Katie Couric and we don't know what he was going through, um, well, and, now, now we do. Now we do. Now yeah. we do some some version of it. And this is based on his book. And right. so Sully approved of this. Right. So it wasn't, he's not like, this is bullshit. Clint Eastwood lied. So I don't know. I was really drawn in and I like sort of the way it was done. Chris, what did you? Uh, loved it. Yeah. I loved it because uh, Clint Eastwood is a filmmaker. Even when he's, you know, he, he maybe misses the mark. He focuses on the right things in film. He focuses on the human right. story. He he focuses on, I mean, you have empathy for everyone in this film, especially even the most minor character, the passengers. You see, like, there are people, certain people that need help. There's certain things. Around. One guy, like, jumps off and is swimming, swims back. Like, there's there's so much going on with all of those characters. And also the spectacle of it. I happen to see it actually at the Universal City Walk in IMAX. And the, and it's, the movie is entirely an IMAX. I, I don't know if this is the first wow. time the whole movie's been an IMAX, but it was insane. It was insane. And just seeing like, it Sully, well, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, oh, wow. But not, but, but most movies like Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. or some of these other films where they have portions of the film, like 40 minutes of the movies in IMAX. If I recall, 100% of this movie's in IMAX. It was insane. And but the well, one the thing is- crash scenes are fantastic. Yeah, it, it, they're gripping. Yes. They're, they're terrifying. As someone who travels a lot, yes. and, and you guys do as well, it's uh, anything about plane crashes is frightening to watch. I mean, there's that scene in Fight Club that's a brief dream sequence, and that that is like hard to watch. So it's- This is harder to watch. This is way harder to watch. Happened. This happened, and right. it's the, this is what the whole movie's about. Dude, but, I was in an airport- you know, I was flying. Did they I, just use footage from Castaway? <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so he's in a plane going down. Yeah. At, uh, Tom Hanks. <laughs> so the you know, like I was traveling that week when that happened, and oh it's like God. you're in airports looking at this, going, and you just got to kind of go. You know, it's January 2009. Go well. Roll the dice and get in a plane, okay, I guess. Okay, I guess, yeah. you know, I'm at O'Hare, so I might as well, maybe are we going to be in the Lake Michigan or are we going <laughs> to land safely, you know? And so, but go, go keep... Yeah, no, I, I, I love the film because also Tom Hanks is the best. Like, you, he is so good at just making you... You like him immediately, right? right? He's always always plays someone likable and kind of an everyman, mm-hmm. relatable. So to see the story through his eyes with that cool Sully mustache right. is awesome. My only, my only concern is you know, Aaron Eckhart as the co-pilot. Can we trust him? He was Harvey Dent. Right? He was Harvey Dent in the dark, <laughs> dark night. The co-pilot. Can we trust him? Because <laughs> he was, I mean, he was so good as Two-Face, right. uh, Aaron Eckhart. But, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I just thought from the spectacle standpoint, from the fact there's a real story and I was still engaged in it, This he's telling a, a, a layer of the story that none of us knew publicly, right? Um, and then, you know, you can't ruin, there's a, there's a great, you have to stay for the credits. I, we yes. can't talk about what happens 
But stay for the credits. You need to stay for the credits through the whole credits because there's just, I mean, it's something where you, you're going to get choked up. Even if you're a soulless person, you will get choked up. <laughs> so the, the other thing that I, that I did um, that I like about it is... So moving stinger. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Is, so the NTSB is sort of the antagonist but they didn't over-bad guy them. Right. You know they, what I mean? It yeah. wasn't like, oh, the NTSB's out to get him, and he's got an agenda, and, you know, Sully took my job 13 years ago. There was no bullshit. It was just like, and and Hank says it as Sully. He goes, and, you know, Aaron Eckhart, it's like, man, the NTSB, goes, they're doing their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, they have to do this. Yeah. They have to ask me, was I drinking? Am right. I fighting with my wife? Was I not paying attention? Did I get four hours of sleep? They have to ask these questions mm-hmm. because, you know, they're going off of the data. The data says the engine was still working. The data says the simulator, you could have done it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what, is he too old? Yeah, he's right. in the cock 60 some years, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, a, you have to, and to watch Tom Hanks ask himself those questions in a, empty hotel room calling his wife you know it's like fuck we didn't and 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 you're right clint eastwood even when he misses the mark it's interesting to watch i don't think this movie misses the mark it just shows you how good of a filmmaker he is he captured all of the right things you know he and this is the kind of movie that it was born for like this like like when you heard oh this tom hanks and uh um, you know, Clint Eastwood making this movie. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. No one went, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Because uh, you could have fucked this story up. Yeah. Yeah. You could have fucked it. You could have told it the wrong way. You could have, you could have like. You could have hired Rennie Harlan. You, oh. you could have added <laughs> talking all about of this, him later. You could <laughs> add all of this bullshit that isn't in there. Clint Eastwood also went, oh, there's no, we don't need to add any drama to a plane landing on the fucking Hudson right. River. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like, and, and, you know, they ask him, do you have any problems at home? No more than anybody. Mm. And he has some just regular husband-wife conversations. Like, mm-hmm. I got this bill due, and what do we do about the mortgage? And just like any married couple ever. Yes. <laughs> two mm. people with good jobs are going to have... Like, it was... And, and so, it, the, you know, it was handled so well. It, it's He goes into... And also the thing I liked is he was so understated because that's who this Sully guy is. You know, like... They're a captain and a co-pilot. They're not TV stars. They're not, they're, they, they don't want to go on parades. Well, that's, that's not why they that's became exactly pilots, you know? But when you fly, like, I always get concerned if the pilot is way too chatty. Too chatty or <laughs> tries to be funny. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just don't... I, and for the most part, most pilots that I've interacted with, they're just... They're pros. They're like doctors. They're yes. kind of like... They're not cold. They're just... They're doing their job, and and I think that you really get that from. I'm just curious if this is ever going to screen on a plane. This movie is ever going to screen. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a look. It's we. It's, I don't know that you can screen it. Yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. Because there'd have to be an edited version. But the thing I mean, is, it's frightening the, the way it's portrayed, which seems realistic. I mean, clearly use of digital effects that, and yeah, whatnot. I, mean, but, I, I would think no. <laughs> yeah, not going to thinking that on a no. Plane. Yeah, <laughs> but they do a great job. I thought too of. Like, um, you know, because that's the thing that Sully said, and he says it in the movie. He's like, there was a whole team of people that helped here, not the flight attendants. And then, you know, the advantage of landing in the Hudson River is boom, there's boats, there's helicopters, like the whole New York City 
emergency is infrastructure is right there. Right. And you see all, and they, and, and Clint Eastwood did a great job when they sort of kept retelling the story of mm-hmm. showing, okay, now we're going to see the point of view of the guy that's like just running a ferry across the Hudson. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, that plane. And then boom. And the, the cops arguing about the Yankees, why they're, you know, just having cop conversations and then boom, it's time to go. In a way, it's almost like an investigation report is the way that the, the, film was told in terms of story it's like here's one way of seeing it from the passenger from here's from the pilot's point of view here's from the passenger's point of view here's from the witness's point of view right they really showed you every they keep showing i know the movie's been criticized for they keep showing the plane crash they show you a different version of it every time with a different point of view which gives you all this perspective so once when you get to this you know sort of courtroom showdown the stakes are raised right and also the other thing is like i that's a peculiar criticism they keep showing that. I, I've heard that criticism on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Really? People said something dumb on Twitter? Whoa, well, then it's definitely oh, valid. It's fact. Twitter is the fact police. Um, why that didn't make, why I like that is Sully and the co-pilot who are on trial in essence. I mean, it's just an investigation. It's not a, you know, it's not a court hearing, but there's, the stakes are, if you, even though everyone's life is saved, he, he says it on, you know, if I'm done, I got to turn in my wings and there's no retirement, there's no pension. I'm out. Right. And he's got a side business of a, uh, air airline safety expert. He's starting this side. Well, that's gone. If you're the dipshit who should have turned back to the airport and landed on a river, you know, so you have to replay that because that's what they're doing. He wakes up from nightmares of if he would have done it incorrectly. I mean, that's they're having to relive this every day to this day, I'm sure, seven right. years later. Well, especially yeah. now that the movie's Not the movie. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's sure. not something you just sort of forget. Right. You know, he's staring out a window and someone's like, Sully, Sully, Sully. Oh, mm. huh, huh, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's And so... I like that I felt like, fuck, I'm in the middle of this week-long trial or however long it was, you right. know, and I'm glad they re-showed it from all these different points of view. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating to me because you, in a situation like that, there isn't one point of view. Mm-hmm. There's all these points of view and and to watch everybody. I mean, that was. Everyone a- did their job. That's the, that's the right. The reason why nobody died Everyone did their job, and that's sort of Clint Eastwood's contention. I mean, it was a national spectacle all over the news right, and stuff, right. too, so that's what well, also dude, you have to contend with. You're sitting there. I was watching it in an airport. There's people standing on a fucking wing in January in, in, yeah. in the Hudson River. It's, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, and you're watching that going, there's no way everyone made it. Someone died. Someone mm-hmm. had to have died. You everyone the, made it. Everyone yeah. made it. It's like, it's fantastic, and that, and then- Everyone did their job. The tugboat guys, the air cops, the scuba cops, the, the you know the the flight attendants. Everybody did their job. It was you know you see the you see people kind of panicking on the plane, but then you also see like calm, calm. People settle down. Hey, you help yeah. me, like just grabbing, like right. which is what would happen. It wasn't this so like the seventies disaster movies always depicted just mass mm. lunatic hysteria. Just Airport 75 yeah. with George Kennedy. Like they even parodied it in Airplane. Right, 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 right. When everybody's calm and then in one second, everyone goes nuts. It's <laughs> just bananas. Um, so so I, I, I dug it. It was, it was a cool. cool film. So I saw the documentary For the Love of Spock. Now, this is uh, directed by his son, Adam Nimoy, um, who's obviously the son of Leonard Nimoy. And it's a Kickstarter project that was launched in 2015. And, but it's a documentary he started 
prior to his father's death. And interestingly, most of the $662,000 they raised um, went towards licensing stills and film clips. Now, some documentaries or hard-hitting exposés and really, um, you know, investigate and get to the heart of, you know, their subject. But other documentaries like this one, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's basically a tribute to uh, an icon in uh, film and television. And this is kind of like a love letter to his father. It's kind of set up a little bit like, uh, well, you know, they were estranged. He's reading a letter from his father. And you think maybe there's going to be some kind of also through line and... Uh, um, just kind of like revelation at the end with the relationship. There really isn't, but it's not something that uh, kills the movie at all. If you were a fan of Star Trek, if you're a fan of Leonard Nimoy, you're going to enjoy these, uh, the clips, the history, the trivia. It, it's, you know, it really, it's a fan film. You know, if you were a fan of Star Trek and Leonard Nimoy, you're going to enjoy this. I mean, I, I love the clips of uh, seeing him in these other shows I didn't realize he was in. Like, after Star Trek, he was on Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, also, like, they showed clips of him. I think he was on, like, one of the Western shows, Gunsmoker Bonanza, as an Indian. Like, in all these wow. all these different clips that he did and talking about, like, you know, breaking into the industry and how hard it was and his parents didn't understand. It's all those typical things of, like, someone um, struggling in Hollywood and then making it, and you see it all. Now, um, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen the trailer for the film, and I'm aware of it. Did, did yes. they get into how much Leonard Nimoy created the character of Spock? Because he really, like, he shepherded and cared so much about Spock and Vulcans, and Spock wouldn't do that. They wanted, I mean, I'm reading this book uh, called The 50-Year Mission by mm-hmm. uh, Mark Altman, Ed Gross. It's all about the 50 years of Star Trek. I mean, right. it's when I say reading, I'm listening to it because I got the audio book. <laughs> and if you get both parts, it's about 60 hours. Wow. It's like listening to a great audio documentary. But one of the things they talked about was Leonard Nimoy, in one scene, Spock was supposed to punch a guy and knock him out. And right. Leonard Nimoy said Spock wouldn't do that. Right. Vulcans being, they would not do that. That's, it was it was Leonard Nimoy that came up with the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yes, they they and so they uh, get into those little they, like they touch on it. They don't really get into it too much, but actually that specific example mm-hmm. is one they they talk oh, about that's cool. and and they talk about how uh, um, you know how Shatner was really the one that sold it because he reacted to the pinch at first right. and they were talking about it and you know there's I would have liked to have seen a little more snide remarks from Shatner there were a few which, <laughs> which were really because you knew they were coming and uh, there was one they were talking about you know they both had quote music careers singing careers and their uh, albums are yes, fantastic yeah, and, uh, and Shatner goes it's like well you know he, you, he says well think about Numa he's, he could really maintain a note I mean, it was off key, but he could maintain it. <laughs> and this is Shatner criticizing uh, Nemo for being off key. It's Mr. Tamarie, man, Bill. Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. But but I, I would have liked to have seen a few more moments of Lucy that just for because oh they were God. so funny. But one of the things that they did get into, and that's really interesting, is that uh, Gene Roddenberry, you know, the original um, pilot for Star Trek. Spock was the only character that they retained when they right. shot when they shot the next pilot. Well, well actually, uh, Gene Roddenberry had a choice because he had a female uh, number one, and then he had Spock. And the network was like, no one's going to believe a female in command in the number one position. You you can choose one or the other. And he thought he wanted this mixed race uh, alien character. Yes. Um, and went for that. He thought he would. It was sort of like Gene Roddenberry was picking his battles. He already right, had right. like Uhura, you know, like a mixed yeah. mixed race, mm-hmm. which at the time was like groundbreaking. Yeah, and, right. and the other thing from it's this first, book. First 
a black woman in a position of power on TV. Right. Yes. Lieutenant and, and it was Martin Luther King who actually convinced because she wanted to quit the show. Yeah. Right. Martin Luther King or convinced her like, no, you're like, you're breaking barriers. Yeah, yeah. You're, you stay you're on the show. Stay it's, there. It's so incredible, like the impacts. I know we're going to talk about more Star Trek stuff yes. later in the show. And, but and, like, and one, of the, one of the things that I really enjoyed um, on that specific topic, like I would have liked to have seen a little more of that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about like as he was developing the character of Spock, um, he, there was um, moments where, like, well, he's emotionless, and you know, you play it that way. And, and Leonard Nimoy was like, "No, I'm going to play him like he's constantly trying to keep his emotions in check because he's half human." And right. uh, mm. things like he would express things with a um, just with the movement of an eyebrow, and that's how he would express, um, you know, reaction and emotion. And it was very, he took it very seriously, and he also took every mo- movement and every um, line very seriously. And he would think, well, would Spock really react this way and stuff? And uh, because it was such a new show, um, what I found really interesting is that, you know, there's certain shows like, you know, if you're on Gunsmoke, it's not going to be a lot of maneuvering. You're a cowboy, you're an Indian, you run a shop. There's not, <laughs> but, you know, but you're you're a half human, half Vulcan alien. Um, there's different ways to go and people are going to have different ideas on that. Like a great example is that like he's going to hit somebody from behind. Like, no, we, sh- we should create like a Vulcan nerve pinch. He also created uh, Live Long and Prosper. He, uh, he, yes. he created that. What, what was the, wasn't it like it was something a, was like um, a Jewish? It was like, a Jewish something like it was, I believe it was like a Jewish letter. It symbolized Well, that. the hand then, signal, the, the, the V hand signal is said he saw it like a Jewish ceremony. The yes. rabbi was doing uh-huh. That's yeah. where he came And up. then uh, he came up with live long and prosper. And it was, it was really interesting to see. And then the, but then it's, there's always some studio problems. Like, uh, mm. they, um, years after Star Trek had ended, they were using his likenesses and advertising and all that stuff. <gasps> yeah. And they never paid him. And then oh. when they want him to come back for the movies, he's like, well, this kind of needs to get settled first. And uh, He was the last holdout. I mean, yeah. they had created yeah. a character called Zahn, spelled X-O-N, that was going to be in Star Trek Phase 2, which was the going to be the sequel series to Star Trek, another five-year mission, basically. And they just cast another guy as a Vulcan. Um, they ended up playing like the Epsilon Nine Commander in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. I know way too much about this, guys. <laughs> Sorry about this, but yeah, no, he but, the, the holdout and those ads were like, I guess it was some ad that was like in Europe that he saw on a billboard, and he was like humiliated. Was England. Yeah, England. He was embarrassed by it. Like, like you know, what are they using my likeness for this? They're using my likeness on on merchandising. Yeah. He was in a big fight with Gene Roddenberry over his, the use of his likeness and Spock's image right. in in merch that Roddenberry was selling through his fan club. Yeah, yeah. So th- there was a lot of, you know, there's always that stuff with like, you know, the studio doesn't want to pay, but they still want you to be in the movies and stuff. And But, you know, he won. He got a settlement and then he started being in the movies. And uh, so the movie itself, it's like I said, it's a it's a tribute to his father, which makes it a little more personal. Uh, but as far as a documentary goes, it, it's more of like a fan film and a tribute. I mean, it gets into a little bit of his alcoholism and being estranged from his son, but everything is very much light and glossed over. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no nothing hard hitting exposés here, and that's fine. No one's watching this movie to think I want to really get to the bottom. What's of the what's dirt on yeah. Nimoy? Yeah, you're you're watching this because you're a fan of Leonard Nimoy and I, you're a Star Trek fan, and 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 in that sense, it delivers. It gives you you want to see these little known clips. You want to see what their life was like. You want to see the evolution of his career, and that's what this is. I think the uh, the conclusion is the the dirt on Leonard Nimoy is that he was the most human <laughs> actor <laughs> Star Trek well let's get into Star Trek swelling Star yes. Trek music it's, now 
It's <laughs> so I saw um, Star Trek Through the Wrath of Khan. They're celebrating um, the 50th anniversary. Yes. They're playing a, a, a not some some at of the them, Egyptian at the Egyptian. Yeah. They're doing some. I think there's some in Burbank or whatever. So um, well, I just before you start, I just want to ask a question. Um, now, were there as many quotes? <laughs> From Moby Dick in Star Trek Two, as they were in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris! <laughs> Seeing this first of all, right, we're going to get into the, how J.J. has dropped the ball. But yes, we are definitely going to get into that. You and I are on the same page. Yeah, we're completely. And seeing Star Trek, seeing Rathacon on the big screen again was like reiterated that fact tenfold. So the Egyptian theater, if you've never been, is, you know, it was one of the other theaters in Hollywood that was built in the 20s. And it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. There's yeah. a balcony. Um, so the American Cinematheque is there. And there's another theater, uh, the Arrow in, in Santa Monica. So their whole thing is they show classic movies. It's, it's, it's really cool. So um, this had the guys that wrote those books. One of the guys that wrote those books. Mark Altman. Yeah. Was there. Um, they showed the movie and then they did a Q&A with uh, Robert Salas, who was one of the producers that, that Harve Bennett brought on for Wrath of Khan. He only worked on that movie. Um, and then they showed this documentary about the making of Wrath of Khan after that. And then they showed Search for Spock, which we didn't watch most of that. <laughs> uh, um, the, uh, so it was fantastic. And the thing that's so amazing about this that I, that I learned, first of all, the budget was like $12 million. Um, and the Robert Salas came from a commercial background, you know, and he goes, this is how much things cost. He's a real straight shooter. And they're like, uh, he goes, it's $12 million. He goes, they're going to want you to come in and say it's 11. He, he goes, I can't do it for 11. He goes, don't just, he, I, he goes, the movie business, you got to lie. He goes, what? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> when they say 11, go, yeah, I can do it for 11. And he's like, and then we did it for 12. <laughs> <laughs> so they taught, what happened was, Star Trek the Motion Picture had a $24 million budget. It came in at $46 million. Because well, of the effects, the ballooning well, effects budget. It was the effects were part of it. And then secondly, that a lot of that was billed against the Star Trek Phase Two show. That Star Trek Phase Two was in development forever. And there was even a Star Trek TV movie that was going to be made called Planet of the Titans. Right. That never got made. So they, they were like hiring screenwriters to write scripts. Mm-hmm. They hired screenwriters to write scripts for episodes of Star Trek Phase Two that never got made. So all this money that was spent on this TV series that was that was cast away, that was billed against Star Trek the Motion Picture. So Star so Trek the Motion Picture into that budget. That's exactly it was billed against that. that. So they that's were, why Star Trek the Motion Picture cost so much, but looks like it didn't cost as much as that at the time. It was like forty million dollars. They also were doing rewrites by the they were getting new script pages every hour on the set. It was yeah, just he was crazy. Like, Robert Sellers was like, it was a mess. So when they were doing the second And Robert one, Wise is a great director, too. You wonder how did that... Well, there, I, if you yeah. read that book, The 50-Year Mission, you'll, it's, it's a very long answer. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that movie was rushed to get into theaters. Right. I mean, they were looping dialogue like, like as... When Robert Wise saw the movie at the premiere, um, in, it was December of 1979, he was seeing it for the first time. Like, he was just seeing it. Like, oh, here's a cut of the movie. I didn't approve this. Yeah. And he just sort of <laughs> smiled through it. That was it. They, you know, it's like one of those things where, you know, here's the release date. Let's make a movie to hit that release date. And that's not always the best Ever. approach. Well, it was interesting. So for Star Trek two, they, there's a, there's a, there's a, like a misconception that it was originally supposed to be a TV show. Never was going to be a TV show. Paramount gave it to the TV division and said, 
you guys know how to do shit cheap because right, we're not it, spending yeah. $46 million. You're like your mm-hmm. budget is 12. Go. This is all you've got. Now, who directed Star Trek? It was uh, d- directed Nicholas Meyer. Nicholas Meyer. Now, so you want to know why he didn't direct uh, the third one? Because that was in this documentary. Oh, it yeah. It was because he didn't understand resurrection. So he passed on the next one because it didn't work. Well, I think the thing probably another thing that I that I there's a longer answer. That's part of it. Part of it is this is this might not be in Leonard Nimoy's son's documentary. Is uh, his dad went? I'm never playing Spock again unless I get to direct like that. That was it. No, that's the actual. That's the the longer answer to that. But yeah, because he said there was a tough conversation to get Leonard Nimoy to come back for Star Trek Two. He kept saying, "I don't want to put the ears on." Right. So he goes, "All right, we'll give you a death scene." Spoiler alert, Spock dies. Yeah. Um, so, so, and in fact, they added the thing in the beginning. If you remember how Star Trek II opens, there's a scene at the beginning with the Kobayashi Maru where the entire crew gets killed. Mm-hmm. And then Kirk says to him, aren't you dead? Yes. The reason they threw all that in there is because there were rumors that Spock was going to die in the film. Yes. So when you're watching the movie, it wouldn't have been dramatic to like, have, so knowing that, right? So you watch that scene in the beginning, it's like, oh, that's why those rumors were out there because he dies in yes. that opening scene, which was a fake death. Yeah. So in a way, he got two deaths, just like Shatner got two deaths in Star Trek Generations. He dies in the beginning yeah. and in the end. So it's weird. It's, it's the, they, and then the they audience talk. dies after one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was True. so. So learning all this stuff was was fascinating, and it's great. You know, that's why living in LA is awesome. You get these phenomenal Q and As. And then you watch this movie, and it's so fantastic. And I was just so struck by the fact. And we talked about this when Star Trek Beyond came out. It's a it's a fun action movie. It's Fast and Furious in space, but it's not a Star Trek right. movie. This Wrath of Khan. Isn't just like fight and bang them up and it's it's there's, about there's, there's friendship. Not even, yes. It's about death. And it has backstory from an actual episode because yes. Ricardo Montalban yes. was in a previous episode. And and the drama that that's in that without the two characters, the two you know the protagonist and antagonist are never in the same room ever right. ever. They're right. all, they're separate. He sees them on a view screen. Yes. Whatever he screams into. He screams into his iPhone yes. communicator, <laughs> con, but like it's never in the same. Now they did. There was a scene that they did cut, but it added nothing to the movie. It didn't leave. It didn't move the story along. You know, Khan was going to beam down right. to that like paradise underground lair, and they, there's right. a fist fight. But they just said they, they didn't need it. Well, they, it was so good that they didn't because yes, there's there is big action in this, but then yeah. there's this methodical chess match in the nebula. These yeah. two yeah, ships ship have been ship to ship fighting. Ship to ship fighting. Mm-hmm. They're they're both wounded ships. They don't have all of their stuff because of the nebula, and they've got a just old school. These are two old sea dogs, like fucking going at it. And part of it, you know, Moby Dick. It's Moby yes. Dick, man. It's Moby Dick. And and from hell's heart, I stab at thee. I mean, it's just like. Montauban is so great in it. He tasks me, tasks, he tasks me. me. And then when Kirk calls him, and like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. Like he just sits, <laughs> you saw it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. And then he's like screaming into it. And the other thing that, that that's so fantastic is like, you see Kirk in his Kirkness. He's smooth, he's calm. He has to deal with these two, the two ends of his psyche, which are Spock and Bones. He has to deal with those two guys and they're bickering, but they're both kind of right a little bit. They're mm-hmm. both right, and he, but then he also loses his shit a little bit because that's old school, like, 
let's fucking land and mix it up. Like, and, right. and, and there's so many great themes in this and stories and the science of it. Like the, the Genesis project is such a great scientific dilemma. It's too, is it too powerful? You can just blow up, a, restart a planet. I mean, and McCoy says it. He goes, you just started to God six days and now we do it. Genesis, like this is too powerful. Well, th- this is, you're, you're hitting on a thing of why the J.J. Abrams Star there's Trek is this. weak. There's you, none no, of this. Here's, 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 here is there's, what. There's no moral dilemma ever. No, it's just no, blowing shit up in the bad guy. There, there yeah. are no ideas. Right. When I, I will sit there, I know that like when Star Trek Beyond came out and people were all excited, like, hey, it's like an episode of the old show. No, no it isn't. No, not and let, not let, me t- let me tell you, I always ask, I ask people who love Star Trek Beyond, I said, what's it about? And I don't mean tell me the beats of the story, because that's right. not what it's about. All of the, the, all the great episodes of Star Trek and the better of the films are about something. Yeah, their morality they're, plays. They're, morality plays. They also explore ideas, like the idea of having a Genesis weapon, the right. Genesis device, the, the concept of that. Like, like Automation. None, I mean, yeah. there, there was episodes I'm like, well, this this uh, computer is going to run the starship now. You're As a captain, you're obsolete. Right. And the computer goes nuts and starts right. attacking the other Starfleet ships. Right. Well, there's the, the whole discussion with, with, with the doctor, um, you know, Kirk's ex-wife and his son, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh man, we, I knew I knew Starfleet was going to use this for military. Military, right. you know, like, right. and that was, you know, Gene Roddenberry. He was not in, as involved in Star Trek too, and he was always so adamant that that Starfleet is not a military operation. Um, Nicholas Meyer was like. It kind of needs to be in this yeah. episode. He, he wanted to model it after submarines. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, and the Navy. That was his whole take. Yeah. yeah. And so you, like, I was talking about this with Chris before the show, like in Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, when the, that weird creature crawls out of Chekhov's ear, Spock shoots it. Or excuse or me. Kirk, 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 Kirk shoots it. Um Roddenberry didn't like that because he's yeah. like, that. you should have gone, it's a new life form, let's, let's study it. Yeah. You know? Um but that's the but that feel that that makes sense in this storyline because Starfleet is militaristic and Genesis was created by scientists for new life and right. Starfleet sees it as a weapon. But and what Khan I, sees it as a weapon. But what I love is here we're talking about this movie that is I mean thirty five yeah, years, years old. Yeah. We're still talking about this movie. I don't know 50 that the years we're still talking about right. Star so Trek. so Star Trek, but. I don't know that we're going to be talking about the J.J. No, Abrams won't. Star no. Trek, or as they're calling it, the Kelvin timeline. Have you heard this? No. Because the Kelvin was the ship that, the that uh, oh, you mean George Kirk. Oh, oh, so it's absolute zero? It's, it's in a way, yeah. They, they, they basically said, like, all everything that's happened in Star Trek, the TV series and the movies, that's canon, but this is the Kelvin timeline. This is a, a different timeline of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and those characters, oh, right? And there so there's nothing interesting and there's no morality plays. I, I just, I defy, look, you know, people listening to this that are fans of it, what is Star Trek Beyond about? What is, what is Star Trek Beyond trying to say to us right. about life today, about morality, about technology? About technology. This is also, <clears throat> excuse me, the second Star Trek J.J. Abrams film in a row where the villain, the main villain, is a rogue officer of Starfleet. What is this? And and look, people can, people, you know, throwing all sorts of, this is about terrorism and how we live today. And 
I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that it was not handled well. I feel like there were there ideas were no, there in the were original no big Star Trek. Ideas. Well, there are no, no big ideas that are right. discussable beyond the film. And that's what here we are talking about some of these ideas that were in Star Trek too. Yeah. And there are episodes of Star Trek that we can sit here and I mean they, they deal with racism head on and war. Remember and, that one episode when it was uh, these two cities were at war. Yes, and then they would you know send fake missiles towards right. each other, and then. It would tell you how many people died, and those people had to go to in like a uh, like a termination room. Yes, right. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great like, episode. Yeah, and I'm like, well, what are you guys doing? It's like uh, well, population well, control. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, no war is terrible. I'm like, no, not the way you do it. I'm going to give you back your war, and yeah. uh, should to show you how horrible war is supposed to be, not yeah. sterile. And it was really, really interesting. Like like big ideas like that. They don't exist now. I will say the first Star Trek movie um, I thought was okay because it actually showed the characters. Uh, it reinvented the franchise a little bit. I didn't hate it as much, but yeah. I, the, the I like Star Trek: The Motion Picture. It's 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 aspired to oh, be no, something I like two thousand. Oh, it's the first. Oh no, the first JJ. Yeah. I also I thought, like I that. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. I like yeah. that. It's like because it's it's like let's reboot it. Let's right. let's make it relevant. Let's make people care. That that opening ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. is brilliant. The yeah. second one the, lost me, and then the third one, the last one was like, well, like you said, it's not a Star well, Trek here, movie. It's, I don't yeah. even care anymore. Well, they could a, call it's, it... It's a fun, you know, fun kind of action movie. Space lasers and fun. Yeah, although it started off like, you know, with Kirk kind of being a little more introspective, but then it, that disappears. Well, that's like the problem, and that's the thing that was so... The, the quiet, subtle, uh, methodical plot-moving moments of Khan made me go, there's no... There's a couple of all of all of those scenes in Star Trek Beyond are in the trailer. Yeah, it's yep. where it's where Chris yeah. Pine is making. And when I saw that trailer, I was like, "Oh God, I hope it's 90 minutes of this." Yeah. Nope, it's all big explosions and blah blah blah. And there's nothing. I don't. There's no line I remember. Why use the word Star Trek on it? And, Just make and you know. What were we talking? Good looking space fight. Yeah, good looking, good looking space, space fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I loved about the old Star Trek is just like the actors they cast are. Characters, they're yes. they're like unusual looking. I mean this in a in a positive right. way. Yeah, absolutely. And in in, in the J J Abrams verse, it's like it's they're just all they're all hot. Right. Right. They're all and they're sexy. made up to look hot too. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, you know, even like uh, even Guardians of the Galaxy. So is Aldana's gorgeous. Right. But you know, at least there she looked like a character. But there's no sense of wonder. Like Kirk is right. bored. I've been on space two years. I'm with this alien race. There's no sense of like. We're, exp- we're going, the whole five-year mission was well, supposed to be, we're, yeah, yeah, we're going, exactly, we're going somewhere no one's ever gone, we're, f- this is fascinating, we're meeting races we've never met before, we're, like, yeah, two it's, years, I'm done. Yeah, two yeah, years, I'm kind of bored, kinda, yeah, like, there, I, like that. that that attitude, I just didn't like, I, I didn't like them. Right. I liked them in the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, but Into Darkness was an abomination, and this just sealed the fate for me. I don't care. And it's also, it's it, box office-wise, it's a bomb. It bombed. Oh, really? And there was oh. a really interesting essay by Scott Mendelson. I don't know if you read him from Forbes magazine, mm. Forbes.com. Uh, I read his stuff because all he does, he's very cold and not in a good way. He's all about, you know, the box office. What right. is this? What is he's trying to, you know, look at the tea leaves of the box office, which are basically people voting by going to the movie theater. And what does it say? And he said, look, Star Trek would benefit from being made cheaper 
and and being more introspective oh and a, God, a, a thinking exactly a thinking <laughs> a thinking person's yeah. version. It's more about ideas yeah. because a it would make more money. The Star right. Trek audience would still go see it. Yes. You don't need it to be Fast and the Furious. I thought I, I, I don't know. People love Fast and the Furious. I think those movies are dumb. I'm sorry. I just think they're dumb. I'm not a they fan of them. No, no it's it's like a little kid. And, and the ending <laughs> of Star Trek Beyond with this weird sort of zero gravity where they're in these air ducts is like a little kid taking action figures and punching them together. It was stupid. I'm sorry. It was stupid. It wasn't cool. They keep trying to recreate that one cool scene from the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek where they, you know, sort of skydive yeah. onto that platform with the parachutes. That was cool. Don't do that again. Right. <laughs> Don't do that with what I What I do like about, you know, the early original trilogy of Star Wars, they tended to, well, now I'm wrong. Now that I'm going to say, like, I like that they just introduced new ideas. Right. right. No, we've had three Death Stars, so forget what I just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to, 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 to verify what you said, so according to IMDb, the budget on Star Trek Beyond was $185 million. Wow. And as of September 9th, it's made 156. Right. Right. You know, I want to. Make They'll it, make their money. They'll make their yeah. money with but video and about, but, it, but it's a, not. Make a $60 million Star Trek. Make yeah, a $40 make, million. Dollar and one. make it about. Ideas, right? Make it about like science, science, yeah. and 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 you know, there's so much going on in science today. Yeah. I love there's that there's that Facebook page. I'm I fucking sorry, love there, science. Are there any are there any sort of uh, race or political issues happening in America right oh, now? I wonder if there are. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, now, we're in such, it feels like we're in such chaos right now. But really, what's happening is we're actually asking these questions right. in an ongoing discussion, right. mostly on my Facebook p- feed, where people <laughs> call each other Nazi at the end of the feed, but yeah. uh, end of the d- <laughs> post, right? But like th- this. Sh- these ideas need to be addressed in some form, and they're great, not. There was a great now, article. In, I hope in, Star Trek Discovery. Well, well here's the thing: in, in, the, in the USA Today sports section, there was several, there was a whole article about. So Kyle Kaepernick is t- oh, right, taking that, a knee, yeah. right? And now other players are doing it, and they talked about Major League Baseball is only eight percent black, while the N- NFL is sixty eight. NBA's, and they talked about high schools teams are starting. Well, let's to not do talk it. about hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not particularly diverse, you know, racially. But they're speaking. talking about high school teams are starting to take there was a there was a team in this past weekend in like New Jersey. The whole team took a knee and the coaches, but one player decided to stand and the whole school was like, Yeah, Neil, stand. First Amendment, you got there, you got, like we're having a First also, Amendment also, discussion. You're right. Wouldn't that be interesting but to here, have here's that the deal. in space? Do we have to play the national anthem before every sporting event? Well, I'm asking this, do we need to do that? They never, they they televise it rare, you know, they televise it, you, the beginning game, you'll see a little bit at the beginning, but they don't show that part on television. Why do we need to do that every sporting event? And I'm a sports fan. I, well, I, I like to thing. do a sporting tradition. event. That's, yeah, that, I think it's that, more tradition than yeah. anything. But that's a separate, that's a separate episode. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, my yeah. point is, this discussion that the country is having right now about the First Amendment, about guns, about uh, police brutality, about violence, about racism, we're having these- About b- does Hillary have a double? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look so at the, prestige. Look at the discussions that are going on in this country right now. You could, I mean, look, there's, there's so much to draw from ideas wise. You could be making right. commentary, but this is where I think television is better. I really think the medium, the medium television. for Star Trek, Star Trek should not be making movies. Right. Maybe a movie every once in a while once they no. retire a series. So, some of them Star are Star Trek Discovery, yeah. I think will be with Brian Fuller at the helm. I think it's going to be amazing. Brian Fuller, who started on Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the new CBS, right. show. It's the right. new CBS show that you can only watch on the app. They're going to show the first episode on CBS and then you have to pay six bucks a month or whatever it is yeah, just for the app. Show. Just to, to watch it, but but like I feel like television is a better medium. It's kind for of sure. like it's for kind sure. of like uh, Watchmen. I love as a comic. 
a three-hour movie, it doesn't totally work. It should have been a 12-hour miniseries on HBO. Same thing with the, the, the Dune should never be a movie. Dude. Dune is Game of Thrones in outer space. They should what? make a Dune well, now, let, television series. Well, let's, let's talk Me, about medium um, and, 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 and long-form storytelling, I think, let's is talk about, right, right. When you say like, TV, let's talk about episodic because the network right, right. TV shows are... I don't know what the networks are thinking. They're still in, stuck in old models. Yeah, they're yeah, still... Yeah. Okay, but but you, cable's you gotta, doing the more interesting FX things. And, and, and streaming. But because look at this. Here's what, here's, what the, here's what the movie industry is so tied up in. And we've talked about this. It's almost too much on this show. <laughs> we've got $1 million to $20, 30000000 million movies. And then there's a gap between 30 and $100 million, Right? So it's the big tent poles, and they're still we got to have big blockbusters. They're so missing the point. Like and that Star Trek. Why was that? What one hundred and seventy million or something? You just said one hundred eighty five. One hundred eighty five million. That's ridiculous. Yes. That never should have been that. Like what's what was the budget? Remember the Next Generation movie with the Borg? Right. What was that one First called? Contact. First, First Contact. First Contact. Let's pull that up and see what that budget was, because that was not was, only an interesting was, movie, but uh, but TV it also people. was a ton of action. And still character driven, and, and still it was about ideas, and it was about the, ideas. But the, now the let, data, the data B story in that is great. Right now, let's see what that budget was. And Alice Krieg as the Borg Queen is probably right. the best villain since Khan. Yeah, seriously. She was, she was if excellent. you if you if you, I watched that movie recently, First Contact really holds up. Forty five million dollars. Yeah, this is twenty years ago. Now it was twenty years. Oh, so okay. So let's double it. Say it's a, yeah, it's hundred. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, it should. Uh-huh. Be, yeah. Here's the thing, and like I, I've been talking about this in so many different places with so many different people. You go into the streaming. So I've been watching uh, Narcos. Mm. Mm. There's not one name actor in there. There's some character, but it's a bunch of Colombian actors and Latino actors I've never heard of. Half of it is subtitled. It's fucking fantastic. Stranger Things. Is anyone watching Stranger Things? Oh, Winona Ryder. No, she's just, oh. uh, uh, Oh, Matthew Modine. Right? Yeah, exactly. I like his hair. Yeah. Yeah. Is anyone like Modine? Is it crazy hair? You're watching because it's good. This day and age, just make good shit. Yeah. Make good content. Well, and when you're making bad content, it's so glaring now because you have all of this fantastic con- Orange is the New Black. Who What are the names on that? Like well, like the, one of the things I want to do um cuz I just The Jeffrey Tambor show on on Amazon. Right. Like is are you watching cuz of Jeffrey Tambor? No, you're watching cuz it's an interesting content show. But I mean, the other thing is is that I have the iPhone 5S. I know I'm behind. But this is the What are you a fucking animal? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So this is the device can that you was get calls on that? <laughs> <laughs> you can. But this is the device that was used to shoot the movie Tangerine, which right. uh which is available on Netflix. You can watch it. It was produced by the uh the Duplass Brothers company. Right. Uh you know, who did that show Togetherness on on HBO, which mm-hmm. I thought was brilliant. I'm a big fan of the Duplass they Brothers. Yeah, the the Puffy Chair. I love their approach to things. Um I have a personal challenge to myself that what I want to do is make a feature film with an iPhone and I'm going to document the process. I'm going to tell people as I'm doing it Taz? how I did it. What's that? Talk to Taz Goldstein. Uh, I, I know Taz. Yeah, I, I read his book. He, he's, he's brilliant. Been, he's been working on yeah, that for no, years. It's un- but with the new iPhone, the iPhone Seven, the 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 lens that's on the the Plus is incredible. It's a DSLR basically. So. I think that the, that this is where the revolution is going to happen. That there's going to be a a movie that is going to break barriers by just doing it with the iPhone. I and I and I just bought one of these for twenty bucks. It's a thing called a smoothie. It's basically a steady cam for your mobile device. Oh, dude, that's just got a counterweight on the bottom, and it's simple. All this stuff you can fit in in a side bag. You can walk around, and you can you can make a. Fi- so what I want to do is make a feature. 
document how I did it. I'm going to make it for under a thousand bucks. I'm not going to kickstart it. I'm just going to out of my own pocket. And I, and I don't know that the movie's going to be good. I'm not telling you it's going to be good. It probably will not be. But I'm going <laughs> to do it as a demonstration right. of this is what's possible. And then I'm going to release it on the internet for free. Check in with me in about a year when I do that. And maybe you'll have me on the show. We'll talk about or maybe my, it'll be. It might be stuck in post for another. Might year. be Who stuck knows? in post. But it, I'll tell you all yeah. about my shitty iPhone yeah. movie. But the, <laughs> but the thing is, is that you're right. There's no none of that middle ground stuff is like. But I do think that the, the more a, compelling work is on television because sure. statistically speaking, your chances of having a, a positive experience uh, watching television are greater than if you go to the movies and you see Suicide Squad. Right. So there you Which go. I, I'm sure you talked about Suicide yeah, Squad. Awful. We didn't. We've had this. Dis- yes. And you know, um, we, we, we've refre- referenced this as well, but it bears repeating is Deadpool had a $58 million budget. Right. Wow. 58. And they cut was, the budget right before shooting, so they had to actually rewrite a f- couple of oh, the scenes. Oh, so it had how ambitious it was. It yes. was so I mean, great. They, to cover that, they kept having him uh, forget his guns, his bag yeah, of guns, yeah. because yeah. it was covering like uh, a scene that they lost the budget for, was right. the, like these big shootout. Because well, so they, <laughs> oh, so, yeah. they wrote something creative. To co- right. Oh, which is why television, be- under restrained budget, I feel like that's where you exercise your writing muscles, your filmmaking muscles. And I think that people because who Because you don't in- have $100 million yes. in, in just effects right. to throw around. And just it's, you don't have endless money because no. money doesn't make stuff. I think we've learned anything. The bigger the budget doesn't mean the better the quality. No, it no. doesn't. It doesn't. I almost think that it, the the opposite is true. That like if you've got less money or you have some restraints on you, I would even say for some people like David Lynch, I think some of his most his best work was on television when he had people looking over his shoulder and right. saying, "You can't do this." It's like, all right, I'll do something different. I'll have a girl tie a cherry stem with her tongue. You know, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This woman's just gonna have a log. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's no, not, not going to be. It's not going to be an animatronic puppet. Uh, it's going to have yeah. to be a log. So, okay, all so right. let's move on. Um, let's talk about Skip Trace. Now, this is a movie I saw with uh, Jackie Chan and uh, Johnny Knoxville from the Jackass movies and series. And I almost turned it off when I saw directed by Rennie Harlan, but I stuck with it. I watched this movie. What fascinated me about this movie is that why it exists. It shouldn't (laughs) exist at all. There's no reason. $32 million budget for a cheap knockoff of a, of rush hour, you know, so you have, you know, the cop who's the martial artist and you've got the loud mouth, con artist and they're in together and they've got a some people are after them they've got to solve the mystery and get them to a certain place and it was it was so poorly made from writing to directing to even acting and i will say you know jackie chan and johnny knoxville did the best they could they really could but there was literally nothing for them to work with and i'll even give johnny knoxville some credit he's not the worst comedic actor out there he could be really funny even when he's not doing crazy stunts and falling all over himself there's also moments that um he's got a real sarcastic and wry wit that can really show through just even in a quieter scene. Um, he gets to do none of that in this movie. And this is the kind of movie that you go, um, did somebody need a tax shelter? What, what, why does this exist? Oh, 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 first it of all, the, you're not too far from that because mm-hmm. I have had friends, people who have, I have friends in the industry who have some money or I have some friends who are producers and filmmakers. And I, I, will, I will get a call frantic from a friend going, uh, do you know anybody who has a script where it all takes place in one location and it's on a lake? Because I, I got I got a producer that's going to give me money because he has a house on a lake and we can make a movie there. But I need a script that fits that criteria. So 
you're not too far from that. And then also when it comes to the shot in China and Hong Kong, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Chinese money. Chinese money yeah. just came yeah. up. One here's yeah. thirty two million. Yes, no, exactly. It's one of those things where I mean, it's an unbelievable when you sort of track what what was the reason this movie was made. I mean, right. yes, most movies are made to make money, but there are other, there are all sorts of other myriad of reasons that yeah. don't result in good movies. Well, Sean William Scott was set to star, but dropped out. Good for him. <laughs> uh, but also, it's so poorly shot that even when you're shooting in these exotic locations like China. Mongolia, and you have all these things. It's not even shot to take advantage of this beautiful scenery. Like, mm. everything's tightly shot. So I'm like, well, wait, you're in these exotic locations. Let me see some of it. And then when you're in there, and everything is just, like, thrown together and done half ass, and you could tell everyone was bored doing it. And even the martial arts were lazy. Everything was lazy about this film. But what was interesting is, like, but it's also the naming of the movie yeah. was then, lazy. Yeah. Skip trace. Yeah. What does skip trace mean? I couldn't even tell you after skip watching trace. the movie. <laughs> and but but you're like, why knock off a movie that you've already done in a much better way? <laughs> like like you like I would expect this to this type of movie to star nobody you've ever heard of, like some up and coming martial artist and some other loudmouth comedian like, that you've never heard of, like because oh we want to do a rush hour. But like, well, no, you got Jackie Chan for this movie. It feels like when Jackie Chan's kid got busted for weed two years ago, which is a criminal big, big deal. I was in Hong Kong and China when this happened. And this feels like the Chinese government went, okay. So he's back at home, no jail. You get to do skip trace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was his punishment. <laughs> like, jail or skip trace. You know what? That's the most credible explanation I've heard for why this movie got made. So it's really, uh, I, I wanted to watch it because it was just so fascinating to see like, like there's nothing even good or redeemable about this movie. I mean, it's not like it's like unwatchable. Well, it's wait terrible. a minute. Now, if you were it's Jackie a, Chan's kid, you'd say. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, yes. The purpose perhaps. Uh, but it, like there's nothing new there's nothing interesting there's nothing well done there's nothing that's that isn't a pale shadow of everything that Jackie Chan has done before so it was uh, and even Johnny Knoxville you could go like he may not even be putting this on his resume Mm -hmm. so it it was one of those uh, 32 million dollar holes but it was really an, an interesting thing to watch just from a filmmaking perspective like why would you why would you make this this makes no sense there's better ways to spend 32 million dollars and i can guarantee you it did not make its money back there's no way it could well it'll make his money back in china even then i think i'm like eh, we saw it already <laughs> I, th- I think you I think, think a, i think a movie like you think this, it'll make money back in china the, chi- the china now has like two or three times as many screens as we have i think they can just go yeah, yeah but even in china this would have been straight to video <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you straight to bootleg on yeah, the street yeah, yeah i don't know so so um, it was it was interesting from a filmmaking perspective. Terrible film. Unless it's so. just like Chinese triad money laundering. Yeah. Uh, so now um, let's talk about these trailers. Uh, Shin Godzilla is Ooh. coming out. Now, I'm very excited to see this movie. It looks fantastic. However, the quote American trailer, not nearly as good as the Japanese trailers. Just watch the Japanese trailers. They're They're much better and they show you more of Godzilla. I don't know why we needed a, quote, American trailer. It has a couple graphics cards that make no sense that shouldn't be in there. Um, Godzilla but, Resurgence is the American title. Shin, yes. Shin Gojira is the... Uh, so I'm excited. It also, it's getting a, a very small theatrical release in October. And Neil and I are going to be in the movie theaters to see this movie. I will be there as well. Yes. A longtime Godzilla fan cannot wait. That trailer looks incredible. And Giant Tail this time. 
Yes. yes. Well, we see the actual Godzilla in the first hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> Most likely, yes. Um, but it looks it looks really good. I know Sanai said she already saw it and she said it was fantastic. Of course, because yeah. it's a Jap. They, they should be making Godzilla movies. I don't, the Americans can't make this movie. Canadians play hockey and the Japanese should be making Godzilla movies. Do you know what I'm saying? Cut I'm, the bullshit. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Um, we're good at a lot of sports in this country. We can't, we're never going to win the World Cup in soccer. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not going to happen. And the next movie is Live by Night. This is the Ben Affleck um, old timey bank robber movie. But this, the trailer itself is fascinating where it builds to like a never-ending crescendo of violence. Like every, uh, every shot and scene is a new person getting punched, shot, or crashed into a car. Isn't this part of the trilogy that Warner Brothers is doing called uh, Ben Affleck is Awesome? <laughs> There's Gone Girl, The Accountant, and now Live by Night. It's just yeah. like, I just like, I don't know, can you just play Batman or these yeah. I, I look on these movies as like these are like uh, uh, Bruce Wayne's adventures before he became Batman right? well he's so it's Dennis uh, Lahine or Lahane or something is the writer and it's you know he did Mystic River he did The Drop it's based on a novel he did uh, he did Shutter Island so um, <laughs> yeah, no, Shutter Island Boo. Ah. he did he did the he did the novel Mystic River he did the Gone Baby Gone novel uh, he did the Shutter Island novel, um, and he did Live by Night novel. So my question is, I'd love to read um, Shutter Island novel. Mystic River and Gone Baby Gone were good movies. So I think my my instinct on this is it's a good, I don't know the book, but it's my instinct on it is it's a good book. Uh, and um, Ben Affleck, who also directs this, is like, well, I did Gone Baby Gone. He had a good book, so I want. I like this guy's material, and I want to adapt it. You know, and I make think it he also film. was one of credited as one of the writers too. Yeah, Ben Affleck one. is one of the writers. Yeah. on the screenplay, right? Um, so and directed it. So. I think Ben Affleck is the thing that gives me faith in the DCU. I like that. Not Je- until Zack Snyder is gone. Nothing should give you faith until Zack Snyder is gone. Well, th- and that uh, I also agree with you. And so. and they f- give Jeff Johns complete control of right. the universe. So right. and that's still uh, we're moving in that direction. Right. But it hasn't happened. I'm yet. sure you've discussed it at length, but I wasn't here when you talked about yes. it. So I'm putting in my two cents. <laughs> um, so I, I'm looking forward to this movie. Uh, I think it looks good. I think it's like a real, I mean, I trust Ben Affleck. So sure. and he seems like he has creative control over this. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. Now, let's talk about, uh, I know it's going to be a supersized episode today. But mm-hmm. uh, Chris, let's talk about Film Threat and saving it yet again. Yes. successfully this time. So the last well, time yeah. you came on and it, the, you did a Kickstarter and it didn't work. It, it failed. And yes. I think that, I think, uh, first of all, it was a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I went off on an island <coughs> and I took some time to think. And someone showed up with a lightsaber, a girl I've never met. I had a beard at the time. I have since shaved the beard. I'm back in action. No, uh, but no. It, Maybe it, a little pot belly. Too. A little bit. Yes, actually, working on it. Working on it. Working on it. Um, Underneath your Jedi. Yes. Belt. Yeah. But but no. I did, the failed Kickstarter was a great learning experience. Um, one, how to do a Kickstarter correctly. And then secondly, what is it that people are looking for? What's the, what's the right way to go about this? What is Film Threat's place? There's a lot of movie websites out there right, right. now. There's a lot of movie podcasts. How is Film Threat different? Do we need Film Threat? Do we need a Film Threat? Do we need a Superman? Um, <laughs> and taking that time off was good. I was like, all right, it's over. I'm going to write a book. So I started working on a book called Film Threat Sucks. 
which is basically my entire experience of doing Film Threat magazine in the 90s. So it's kind of a period piece. We then, I hooked up with a filmmaker named Runa Lind, who's a filmmaker from New York, and we digitized, I took the whole Film Threat archive and we digitized 100 hours of VHS footage shot in the 90s. Right. 5,000 photos. And he said, well, let me cut a sizzle reel together, see if we can, you know, maybe there's a, there could be a documentary here that goes with your book. And in the process of doing that, I go to cons. I travel a lot like you guys. I yeah, go to yeah. cons. I go to festivals. I'm around going to screenings like you guys. And every person, when are you going to bring Film Threat back? When are you going to bring Film Threat back? And it, it's, it's something that just came up constantly. I had 400 people contribute to the original Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I, I should just do it. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it cheaper because I had I, I met a designer who said, look, I can do some prototypes for you. Let's see, let's get this going. I can't do it for free, but I'm gonna just do some work and see what we can we can rebuild the website. So I did a budget and I'm bringing back the Film Threat website, all of the archives of everything that was ever on the website, which is 80,000, uh, it's a relational database. If you know anything about that, it's a complicated thing to, continue but like also i've had scanned every issue of film threat magazine that exists so you'll be able to download an issue you can actually read it on the site or download it and print it out if you want and i'm i'm launching a podcast a film threat podcast Mm -hmm. and then a series of other podcasts that will be done by the writers that will contribute to film threat um i'll give you one example there's a a writer named patty hawkins who's going to do a podcast called dick on film Mm-hmm. Every episode of Dick on Film, he's going to review a movie that Dick Miller was in. Dick Miller, the character actor who's been in Gremlins right. and been in uh-huh. Terminator. And then it's just, it, it's be a short podcast. It's not an hour long, but he's going to go, and he's been in over 200 movies. Yeah. That podcast can go for a while, along, among other podcasts that we'll be doing. So, so it just inspired me in going through all the old film threat archives. Then I ran into Chris Prynoski. I don't know if you guys know Chris. He's uh, he's the owner, founder of Titmouse Animation Studios. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. responsible for all the Adult Swim shows. So right. I showed Chris our sizzle reel, and he says, this is amazing. I want to be involved. I want to do – so Titmouse Animation is actually going to contribute animation to our uh, documentary. Oh, that's great. So we're going to have like 10 or 15 minutes of Titmouse doing animation for – because there's some things we just don't have footage for, some parts of of the story. So um, we moved the archives to Titmouse, started going through them and we're digitizing everything. And just, just going through those archives just inspired me. It's like, there should be a film threat because the one thing that all the, I mean, there's, I think there's more outlets covering movies today than movies are being made. Right. Let's be honest. Probably. Yeah, there are, they're just more. And that's a good thing. That's why I felt like I could quit doing film threat and feel good about it because there's tons of other people doing really well with all these tools. They don't need me. Everybody, this is great. I can walk mm-hmm. away from this, do other projects. But the one thing I think Film Threat did well that I'm, I'm proud of is I think that we were good at doing satire and sort of giving a middle finger to Hollywood. I think right. that was something that's fun. And then secondly, I'm all about discovery. I love to find that filmmaker who just said, hey man, can you check out my Vimeo link? Hey man, here's this thing I just made. And I feel like there's a new generation of filmmakers who are making movies on their iPhone, who are making stuff cheap, and they're not being supported necessarily by festivals. And that's something that I want to get into as well as creating content and and uh, uh, working on film. So the, the film threat, I, I'm involved peripherally with the documentary. It's being produced by this guy, Steve Bannatine and mm-hmm. and and uh, put together by uh, Dennis Prizwera, who I think you might know, and Runa Lind are directing it because it's a big. I mean, it's a massive project. Right. But the Kickstarter is really to bring the website back, and we're more than fifty percent 
Where what's where your goal I'm, and where are you well, at? So and how much our time? goal is? Oh, you, oh you're looking at it now. I have it right now. So as of um, uh, September thirteenth, you're you're wanting to get thirty seven thousand five hundred. You currently right. have twenty two thousand six eighteen. You got thirteen days ago. That's pretty good. We're we're, we're looking. Yeah, we're we're that's pretty good. Closing on sixty percent. And the name of the campaign, because uh, we want you guys to go and support this, is Save Film Threat. Yeah, or you can just go to filmthreat.com and it points you to. Oh, okay, so great. so the whole thing is we're going to bring the website back with all the archives mm-hmm. launch a podcast, a couple podcasts, and then we're going to do an app. That's that first chunk of money. That's what that's for. Right. Our first stretch goal, which will be like another 12500 will be used to shoot the interviews for the Film Threat documentary. Right. Which is going to be all the, Runa Lynn's going to come in from New York. We're going to do, we're going to be shooting stuff here in LA. All the old editors of Film Threat are coming back. We're going to do a round table. Oh, we're also cool. going to interview people from the old days, mm-hmm. like Todd Phillips, who's now successful. And we used to write about in Film Threat, Tracy Lords, who we campaigned to get her a star on the Walk of Fame. I mean, the one thing Vin that Diesel. Vin, we'll have Vin Diesel, but we, one thing, the one thing that Film Threat used to do that I miss is a lot of advocacy. I look at the stuff that John Oliver is doing on last week tonight, and I'm like, that's the kind of shit that we used to do. We used to just fuck with people constantly. We were constantly fucking with people, which is why everyone in Hollywood hated me mm-hmm. and hated the studios hated me. But now it's like it's been around so long. It's like whatever. We don't even we don't care, right? You know, and it's I feel like. What we did was kind of like the internet before the internet. Mm -hmm, And so... I mean, you know, that's how we met, you know, yeah, was uh-huh. was uh, uh, from the festival circuit. You guys yep. had a movie that was hitting the festival circuit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I love that sense of discovery. I love like finding a filmmaker that is kind of just like not so business savvy, doesn't know what's going on and saying like, well, here's some. That was us. Yeah. yeah here's some better choices. <laughs> well, you know, it's a weird business to be in because you not only have to be creative, you have to have that business mind to survive and, and sustain and to and to have some sort of long arc in well, your career. Well, now it's 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 a good time for Film Threat to come back in that sense because now, as we've talked about, it is a whole new because of the technology and the internet and social media. You can do, I mean, so many things. You can make a movie on your phone or make it with GoPros. I mean, what we're doing with you know comedy filmers, we did the festivals. We got a couple coming up. That's cool. We're going to sell it ourselves in November, right? Because we can, because that mm-hmm. exists. You know, and people are like, "Well, how are you going to make money without distributors?" We're going to go on podcasts. We're going to the keep, way uh, we raise the money. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. We're going to keep more than thirty uh, percent of the. Process, yeah, process. yeah, no, that's <laughs> no. I'll tell you, like, I have had so many friends <clears throat> sell their movies to major studios. Everyone, and they they all tell me I I didn't get paid. They never paid me. I got like a little accounting, and it just says that the movie didn't make money. I didn't get a check. So people who sold their movie movie you know, hoping to get some money down the road and more and more filmmakers. We were talking about my friend, John Schnepp, who yeah. did that movie. <clears throat> we're going to have death- him on for sure. He's great. Mm-hmm. The death of Superman, <clears throat> excuse me, the death of Superman lives what happened. And uh, he's just selling it by himself. You can go to VHX and mm-hmm. buy his film. And I, I, I encourage you guys to do the same thing. You have an audience that already wants it. We're, we're like we're already you can sell it you don't we're, need we're doing we've made that happening. decision <laughs> yeah yeah no like like and the tools there are um, so many tools thanksgiving ish it's going to be on the comedy film nerd site 
for yeah. sale. Awesome. Download mm-hmm. and DVD. And probably mm-hmm. iTunes and everything else, right? Yeah. Why we're we're going to get you? it as many places as we Yeah, as many places sure. and, and, and just the Amazon. larger mm-hmm. percentage of money is going to go right to you. And that's the way it should be. It should be, you know, the creators should yeah. get most of the money. And I will say for all the Kickstarter backers, you guys will get it a little earlier. Don't yeah, worry. You'll He's, get it. Yeah. You'll get it's it. coming. Uh, and uh, I want to talk about it on Film Threat. Yeah, Yeah, We'll talk about it. Have you guys as a guest on my podcast? We'd love to do it. That'd be great. Well, that's cool. All right, guys. So go to filmthreat.com or go to kickstarter.com and and it's save film threat um be a part of something really cool was a it was a as i posted on twitter the other day it was it was an in a definite influence on my early you know filmmaking career in college as a film student then out in my early 20s doing short films in chicago running around with the with a camcorder and all this other shit that we did. Like, I remember the Film Thread video guide. That was the yeah. companion magazine. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there was I remember, always an well, that, ad for Necromantic on the back of it. Well that, that mag- <laughs> well, that magazine was created specifically to support underground filmmakers. Like, mm-hmm. And we specific, we had like this cutoff. Like if it was made for under $100,000, we would put it in Film Threat video guide where right. it, would, it would just, that was the audience for that. And that was like a better way to feature those. But now with a website, you know, you've got unlimited space to write about stuff yeah exactly bandwidth all right right. so we'll keep going um dvd and blu-ray captain america civil war if you didn't see it in the uh in the movies movie theater check it out i uh, I know we're talking we're having a big discussion about budgets but we also reference this movie here's an example of Of doing it correctly doing it correctly big budget franchise fun movie blast good story good characters about something about something it's it's not impossible right so, Studio and, heads who are never mm, listening to this because you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> the Conjuring Two oh, uh, didn't didn't, uh, didn't quite catch that one. So they uh, make these movies for less than ten million dollars, and they do a shit ton of business overseas. Well, the first Conjuring that's what they uh, that's what they keep it. making. It's supposed to be really good. Like a lot of people really enjoyed the. But first all these one. like then the doll one didn't do as well. The doll one, whatever. <laughs> all these movies, these low budget. When we always ask God, why do they keep making? Annabelle. It's <laughs> they keep making these movies for under ten million. They go make thirty to fifty overseas. It's so smart, but but that that's good. I mean, I good feel like that. that's a formula yeah. that's like yeah. not every movie has to be a hundred million dollar right. blockbuster. It's true, and it's like you know, do more of those. I'd actually like to yeah. see more of those. So, uh, pop star never stop stopping. Really enjoyed this one. This one was a pleasant surprise. I never would have seen this movie except for well our uh, at the box. I, uh, yeah, it was weird. I saw our, it too. I loved it. Fans who donated to the uh, mm-hmm. long gone far away Kickstarter mm-hmm. Medicine San Francisco. And we saw that movie with her, and I was like, you know what? I'm pleasant. This was really funny. Yeah. This was a fun yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, we we had such a blast at it. If you guys haven't seen it or heard, we, it's worth it. Yeah, there is a we did release a spoiler app mm-hmm. um, back in June, I believe, when the movie Check came it out. out. Uh, you know, it had a $20 million budget, so they didn't go crazy. It only grossed, I don't know, it's done like $10, $15 million, but well, it might I do ho- better like on. Sometimes you know, comedies, yeah, yeah. They, they don't hit People in the might theaters. check it out on, on demand. They're more stuff. apt to yeah. watch it somewhere else. So I would, it's funny. So, it's funny. Uh, De Palma, this is the documentary, obviously, on. Uh, Never on saw it, but I heard it was fascinating. I want to see it because he's yeah. an interesting cat. So, and uh, now on the site spotlight and the fans. I'm just going to pretend Zoolander 2. Oh, you know, I was, because I, I got a lot to say about that. Oh. I was, we'll save it for next time. I, right. I saw Zoolander 2 on the. Uh, uh, I heard it was, I just read the reviews of it and it just seems god awful. And I liked the first one. The first one had the weird distinction of coming out like after September 11th <laughs> as a con- no seriously and it kind of had but like we could do Zool- a spoiler rep on it it's there's a lot going on in that movie okay I'm dying yeah. to hear what yeah. you have to say <laughs> save it for next week alright <laughs> um unless you want to do it now you want to do supersize we'll go into Zoolander no I want to eat alright <laughs> <laughs> 
from next week. But I also want to thank you guys just uh, for the plug on the campaign. Chris, you you messaged me without prompting. As soon as the campaign like went live, you like sent me a message, said come do it. Yeah, I always love coming here, Mm -hmm. and I really appreciate it. Just like uh, spreading the love. So and thanks, uh, Graham, for everything you said. Like, dude, it's 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 love it. Thank you. It's it's the it's the indie community. I mean, the thing that we we gotta help each other. Why why we love podcasting. And why Chris and I specifically gravitated to the, you know, podcasting and Podfest and everything is, it is the indie film world. You know, when you come up, it starts in film school, in my opinion, because everyone's helping each other's school projects out, mm-hmm. doing whatever. I'll do sound on yours, and you do makeup on mine. You know, right, whatever. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Like you just rotate. So you just rotate. It's a collective. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then you start. You get out of college, and you're making mm. short films and whatever. And everyone's just pitching in. Everyone's helping out. That's the vibe at the festivals. And now, um, you know, that's the vibe of podcasting. And that's why it's like there needs to be this. And it's, it is a yes. cool thing. So save film threat. Save film threat. Thank you. Um, and uh, on the site spotlight, Neil's uh, review of Morgan and the 50th anniversary. Neil did a nice um, article on the 50th anniversary of Star Trek because Neil every year goes to the Star Trek con in Las Vegas. Good. So an insider perspective. Oh, you were there too? I was there. It's incredible. He was, you need his, to go. His biggest complaint was that because of the 50th anniversary, they jacked up all the prices. Yes, they did. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was one of the downsides. So, but it was incredible. But guess what? Everyone paid it. Yeah. Never did. There, no one went. Oh, it sold it's, out. Yeah, there were no tickets. Yeah, there was <laughs> no one uh, was turned away because it was too high. People uh, paid it and grumbled. Uh, premiering this week, uh, Blair Witch. Now, I'll tell you, I am. I find Adam Wingard such an interesting filmmaker, especially like as a genre filmmaker. So I'm interested to see what he does with this because from the trailer, it looks like the exact same movie, um, just with more budget better cameras yeah better cameras ah. uh, so uh but but i'm gonna give him i'm gonna give him the, <laughs> yes. i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt i actually i do want to see this movie so and we'll see if um this blair witch sequel bankrupts the studio like the last one did <laughs> so right. so this but this movie is uh, i'm unclear it's a it's a, it's a semi sequel where it's like when I think it was the girl Heather that disappeared. It's like one of her siblings goes and tries to find. Yes. Her. Okay. So, All right. um, but the tree you'd never know that from the trailer. The trailer just looks like the exact same movie, like a like a remake. Uh, Bridget Jones's Baby. Now this is one of those interesting movies and trailers that uh, you know if you're going to see this movie or not immediately. Like you're either in, you're on board with Bridget Jones or you're not. Yeah, you're either it's, like, oh my god, a new Bridget Jones, yeah. or you're just like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, why is there another Bridget Jones movie? No one's so, gonna just like. Yeah. I'm in that camp. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why? You know, it, it's interesting. You never think that like Bridget Jones. That's a very polarizing movie franchise. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> you either want to see it or you don't. It's done. Uh, Snowden looks kind of cool. I am uh, mm-hmm. excited to see this movie. Oliver Stone. Yeah. No one does conspiracy theory better than him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And especially... Or Conan movies. He's so happy. Maybe Trump does, but... <laughs> yeah, it's so great because Oliver Stone is loving that this is coming out in the middle of an election cycle. Yes. Because he's just like, here's another bullshit thing for this election cycle. Should go see Snowden. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just whatever conspiracy is coming from either Trump or Hillary, he's jumping on it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I just saw the trailer again last night for this. Yes. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back and watch all of Citizen Four. Did you hear the latest? I can't, did you hear Hillary Clinton got sick and still went to work? Oh, man. Ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> women, they can't trust them. They're, yeah, oh, they're see, kind of, see, everything hysterical. Trump said is true now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, buddy, did you see, uh, anyway. 
Go ahead. We'll just keep going. But uh, anyway, so that is, um, I think that's it. That is our show. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to, again, um, point you towards Chris Gore and the Save Film Thread campaign. Chris, where can people find you or the campaign right now? Uh, real simple. Just go to filmthreat.com or follow me on Twitter at that Chris Gore or at Film Threat on Twitter. But it, um, also, you're probably going to be annoyed with me for the next two weeks. All I'm going to be talking about is this campaign. <laughs> so fo- go to filmthreat.com, you know, pledge to the campaign, and then follow me two weeks later yeah. when the campaign's <laughs> over. Because you know what it's like to run yes. those. It's yes. all you talk about, and people get sick of it. They're but, brutal. Yeah. But it's also, you kind of you have to do it. you got to drive towards it's that It's a limited amount goal. of time, and you've yeah. got to maximize every second. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're exhausting. You're going to be completely oh, exhausted. I'm again. emotionally drained. I'm sleeping like four or five hours a night, if that. If I feel like I'm not looking at my phone like I did several times during this podcast, I'm not doing my job. You know what it's like. It's yes. like it's never done. I'm messaging. I'm answering... If everyone's, anyone messaged me on Twitter, if they direct message me or whatever, I answer everybody. Yeah. And you look you at know? the counter and, and you, you just stare to like move. move yeah, please up, move it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but also like I want to, I genuinely look, I, people are like, hey, I don't have the money, but I'll share. Thank you. You know, that like still helps. You can't, if you yeah. can't contribute, sh- just share the link to the campaign and say it's right. a good, and mm-hmm. tell people it's a good cause if that's what you believe. Message boards, Twitter. Yes. There's many places All of to that. share. Yeah. So, so I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. LAPodfest.com. You just did like a pirate face. <laughs> I don't know what, what just happened there. Arr, matey, yes, go save film threat. Arr, me buccaneers. I don't know. I'm, I... <laughs> it's time for me rum. <laughs> I need some vegan rum. I'm trying to get some vegan rum. Yeah, go to LAPodfest.com, you guys. September 23rd through the 25th. If you haven't bought the... Um, the live stream uh, will buy tickets if you're in LA and yes. come by and say, Hey, if you've never been, it is the most fun three days you're ever going to have. You don't have to. It's a place where you never have to explain what a podcast is. Yep. Everybody gets it there. <laughs> it's, th- it's three days of everybody getting mm. it. People have now made like lifelong friends at that festival. Th- I will say that, like just having attended a couple times, I was there as like a guest once, mm-hmm. and then I've been there just as an attendee and walking around. The sense of community is so fun. It's all people sort of gathered to this love of you know we love all the talent that's here. Mm-hmm. Listen to most of these podcasts, discovering new podcasts. Right. It is so awesome. So the and you'll see like you know maybe some of these people are not big celebrities you know out in the real world but like at, at Podfest they are like it's it's just an awesome environment yeah and, you know and you are on fire whenever I've seen you host something Graham oh my god it's like every ounce of energy is just pouring into the microphone it's insane well so I love to see like you almost end up doing like a stand up set when you're just like you're just getting up to thank people or whatever and it just ends up being like this ranty thing that like I hope you're filming that or putting on Periscope or something yes well, it's, it's an awesome environment and having been Several times, yeah. uh, yep. it's it's fantastic. It's so Everything's much, recorded now. It's so yeah, much, yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's so much work that the actual festival itself is like, oh, I get to f- have fun. It's all this work. There's a ten thousand emails a day. Like it's it's so much work, right. especially now getting down to the crunch and we got to sell tickets. I've had know. a panelist cancel every week for the last six to eight weeks. Yeah, there's wow. fucking somebody cancels. Yeah. Someone wants to move. Someone there's all that crap, and then there's just all of the, the the nuts and bolts of the logistics. So then the weekend is like now we get to fucking have fun. Like I'm gonna laugh for three days with all my friends and see all the fans again and just giggle and have a blast. And that's what. I want everyone to be a part of. So use coupon code CFN so we can make some goddamn money. 
<laughs> That's that our show, episode 337. Lock we, it down. Yeah, we want to thank our sponsor, Warby Parker. Remember, go to warbyparker.com slash comedy film nerds to order your free home try-ons today. Yeah, man, get some glasses. Yeah. Put them right on your face. Yeah, get some good get some <laughs> goggles on that weird head of yours. Um, get your vision lined up. Um, thank you to our guest, Chris Gore. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember. Han shot first. Save film threat. Ciao, ciao. Boa noite. <laughs> that was good night. I mean, yeah. Boa tarde is good afternoon. That was great.